Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from our 2020 series, The God Who Creates. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. Good morning, everybody. We are in week two of the new year, and that means we are in week two of our commitment to read through the Bible together in this new year, 2020. How's everybody doing? Everybody, everybody getting there? You're reading through the Bible? Hopefully you're doing that. Um, if you haven't started yet, I want you to let you know that there's still time to get started doing that. You're not too far behind. Hopefully you'll join us as we read through the Bible together and then study through it um, on our weekends. Uh, it's not too late to get started in that. But I'll tell you that making a commitment to read through the Bible this year, it's a big deal. Um, I know it's a big deal for us, but it will radically change your life. I truly believe that, and I think if you will test it, if you will begin to read God's Word throughout this year, that you will see that it will make huge changes in your life. So remember, the goal as you read through the Bible is familiarity with the information. I talked about that last week. It's, it's getting familiar with God's Word. Then, as you dig deeper on the weekends, uh, through the sermons, we'll go a little bit deeper on what you're reading. And then as you go to your home group, you will connect with others. You'll talk more about what you're reading. And you'll, you'll get a little more information um, on what you're reading. And then you'll begin to learn how to apply what it is that you're learning. And then once you begin to apply what it is you're familiar with and learning from God's word, then transformation begins to happen. And that's what we're all looking for, right? That's what we all desire is that transformation. And I want you to think of it like this. It's kind of an equation that I learned a long time ago. Information plus application equals transformation. So we have to first begin to understand what the information is in God's word so that we can then apply that to our lives and then we see that transformation begin to happen. And I believe that we all desire transformation and it's only when we have the right information that that, that happens. Now, I know that the Bible can intimidate a lot of people. There's so much in there that seems hard to understand. It's difficult to read sometimes. There are things that are argued in the Bible. Some people, as you, you've been reading through, getting started this new year, you've read through, through the first couple chapters of Genesis, hopefully. People out there argue over whether the creation was a literal 24-hour day or whether that day was a long period of time. So there's arguments over that. The Bible talks about the sons of God being attracted to the daughters of man. That's confusing. There are giants called Nephilim in the Bible. There is a Leviathan and there's a behemoth. So already there's a lot of things you're probably going, what in the world am I reading? And what is this? And I don't understand it, but that's okay because you're gaining information. You're gaining familiarity with God's word. And throughout the year, we're going to be addressing a lot of those topics. We won't hit everything, but as you read the whole Bible, what I want you to do is remember to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is the plain thing. And the plain thing that we see through, as we read throughout the, all of Scripture is Jesus. That's the, the plain thing, is that all Scripture is pointed to Jesus. The story of the Bible begins with our God who creates. We learn about God who made the world, and that once he made the world, the world was devastated because of our rebellion against him. And then God re-entered the world to rescue us from what we had done, and then he's going to come back again, and he's going to make it all new again. And that's the main thing, is understanding the broad idea of the Bible, and that Jesus is pointed to through all of Scripture. Jesus is the main character throughout this story. As the Storybook Bible tells us, every story whispers his name. And if you haven't grabbed one of those, I hope you pick up one of those. You can order them online. I think they're like $5, but it's a wonderful book um, to order. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address it later, but this is what it looks like in case you're wanting to, to order one. It is a fantastic um, addition to your library as you learn to read through the Bible and learn God's Word. 
You know, someone once said that if you read a verse in the book of Genesis, it's like pulling on a thread where you'll see a page in Revelation ruffle. And I love that illustration because what that tells us is that this whole book is interconnected, that you can read something in Genesis and it is connected all throughout of Scripture. It's like there's this thread that runs through the whole of the Bible and it connects everything to Jesus. So that's what we're going to be learning throughout this year. And if you would, please stand with me. We're going to read Genesis 1, 1 through 5 today as we get started to kick this series off. And we're going to learn about our God who creates. And we love to stand as we read the main passage because this shows God honor and glory for who he is and that his word um, is holy. Here's what God says. It says in verse 1 of the Bible, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. You can be seated. As always, we ask that the Lord blesses the reading and the hearing of his word. And I always ask that he would, he would use me to teach it clearly as we go through his scriptures. And I've shared before that the Bible's not about you. I've shared that many times before. The Bible's not about you. It's not about me. But too often, don't we try to find ourselves in the stories and how we might react? Too often when we're reading scriptures, what we're doing is looking to try to find a way that we fit in there. And don't we sometimes want to um, be David fighting the Goliath, right? We want to learn how to have the bravery that David had. Or we want to be Noah having the faith to follow God and build the ark even amidst persecution and people making fun of us that we would have faith like Noah had. But the point of the Bible is not to tell you how to fix your life. The point of the Bible is not to give you seven ways to a better you. The point of the Bible is to help you fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of the Bible. That's what we'll find as we study through it is that it all points to Jesus. And when you read through the Bible and become familiar with it and understand its information and begin to apply it to your life and you begin to see Jesus more clearly, then then transformation begins to happen in your life and and you begin to see that your faith grows and that you become more brave in the face of persecution. It's not about us trying to take steps to, to be like David. It's about us seeing Jesus and him strengthening us to live our lives according to his will. And his power comes to us through his Holy Spirit and through his holy word when we place our faith in him. So we see the central message that's being introduced in the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I like how pastor and author Tim Keller says that these first three verses before creation ever begins, um, we see three things. We see um, each of them, and they have profound implications for how we live. And the first one he points out is this. Before the creation, there was God. In the beginning, God. And this means that before the creation, before earth and its form, before um, we began to walk uh, on the earth and populate the earth, before we even existed, God existed. God was present when everything else began, which means God has no beginning. There is no beginning to him. He's always existed, and he created what we know as the heavens and the earth, ex nihilo. Have you ever heard that phrase, ex nihilo? That means out of nothing, God created what we know as the heavens and the earth. So God existed always, and then he spoke, and everything came into existence. That's one powerful God. 
that's an amazing God that I want to get to know more about. That's a God that I want to learn about and grow um, with and, and be in relationship with. Isaiah 44, 24 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord, who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. You see, God our Creator created all things, and it all comes from Him, and it all exists for Him, and God created it for His pleasure. Everything He created was for His pleasure. In Genesis 1, verses 26 through 27, we learn something else fascinating. The Bible says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You see, those are very important because if we are created in God's image, then that begins to tell us a lot about how our lives should look. Our lives should reflect God's image. So we have to ask ourselves, what does God's image look like? What does that mean? When well, the creation account, we learn a lot about God. And we learn specifically that God was not alone. He says there, let us make man in our image. So then you might all, all of a sudden ask, well, who's us? If God was always in existence, who's he talking to when he creates the world? Well, the us that God is speaking of is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's the us that he speaks of. Verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, God, that's God the Father. God the Father is seen right there. Then verse two says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So you see the spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the water. So God the Father's creating, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is hovering. And then verse three says, and God said, let there be light and there was light. Now, those first three words there, and God said, are very important. When he spoke, what did he speak? He spoke with a word. His word is what he spoke, and his word spoke everything into existence. This is where it begins to get fascinating. You then turn to the New Testament, and you look at John 1, 1 through 5. What is the word? In the beginning was the word. And this is John talking about Jesus, okay? Jesus is the word. You see that word, word, is capitalized that's Jesus. So in the beginning was the word Jesus, and the word Jesus was with God, and the word Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him, Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, here's what's fascinating about the Bible. The more familiar you get with it, the more you begin to understand it, the more you see the big picture of it, the more you see how it all connects that there's this thread that flows all throughout Scripture, and it connects these verses together. John is referring all the way back to creation, and he's talking about Jesus Christ, and he's saying Jesus Christ is the Word. Jesus Christ was with God. Jesus Christ is God, and Jesus is the one through whom all things were made, and Jesus is the light and life of men. So it begins to make sense. Okay, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were all there at creation. You look back at the creation account, what was the first thing that God spoke into existence by his word? Light. See, this is fascinating as it starts to connect because Jesus is the word, and he says that Jesus brings light into the darkness. So God spoke through his word, his son Jesus, and light 
came into existence and separated the light from the dark. You see, God has always existed in relationship, and all that he has made, he has said, is good as he created it, and we see that he existed before creation, and he existed as a holy trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. I don't have time to dive into that too deeply today, but if you have questions on the Holy Trinity, because that's one of those topics that we can start to study and grasp, and then once we think we kind of grasp it, then we just kind of go, ah, I can't get it. You know, it's kind of one of those mind-blowing things. It's hard to even come up with an illustration to explain it. But back in 2016, I preached a series called Triune. So you can go on our website, you can go to our podcast, scroll back to 2016. There was a four-week series um, on the Trinity called Triune that you can go listen to that and that will really help you begin to understand a little more about the Trinity, how God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist three in one. But the important thing I want us to focus on is that before the creation, there was God. And then point number two is before the creation, there was love and community. God has love and community within his Trinity. And God's creation is not about him proving something, but it's about him declaring something in his creation. Because you and I, we were created in the image of God who exists in love and community, perfect love and community, and we will never be complete until we are living in love and community with our God and with others because we are created, what, in his image. So we are created to be like him. So we should have communion with him and we should have communion with others. We have to have that love and that community. It means you've been made for love and community. You've been made to be loved and to give love. You've been made to be in community with others. And here's what that means. In his very essence, from the very beginning, God existed in this relationship, and his desire for you is that you be in relationship with him and that you be in relationship with others. You see, the path of godliness always leads towards community, toward relationships, toward small groups, towards building relationships with others. The path of ungodliness, it's a path of isolation. Think about the moments in your life that you felt furthest from God, and I would guess that most likely this would describe your life. You had isolated yourself from God. You, in those moments where you felt far from God, were not reading his word. In those moments when you feel far from God, then you withdraw from friendships and connection with others. In times that you feel far from God, you're distanced from, distanced from accountability. In times you feel far from God, you're not consistently gathering in a church family, in a church body. Contrast that to when you have felt closest to God, and most likely in those moments you felt closest to God, you were reading his word regularly. Most likely in times that you feel closest to God, you are in a small group with close friends around you. Most likely when you feel closest to God, you have people holding you accountable in your life. Most likely, when you feel closest to God, you're regularly gathering with a church family. But the moment we start to feel distance from God, we start to isolate, and we start to pull back, and we start to withdraw. Listen, God created our hearts and, and our lives to work only uh, at its best when we are in deep community and rich community with others, with God through his word and with others. So ask yourself, how much different would your life be if you were in community, if you're isolated right now? Maybe think back to your past and think, what, what, what things might have changed about my past had I been connected in community, if I would have had accountability, had I been in God's word richly? Would things be different? Would, would I have made different decisions? You see, God, our creator, he exists in community, and he desires that community for you as well. And this past week, 59 of you signed up for a home group, and that's awesome. But what that also tells me is we usually have around 170 adults in this room. 
not counting the kids. So that tells me about 100 or so of you didn't sign up. And I know some of you are connected in other kinds of groups, and that's good. I hope you are. That's our heart for you is that you connect in some way with other people because you're not created to be in isolation. You're created to be in connection and in relationship with others. That's when we reflect God, his um, image most, is when we are in community with others. So we still have a few spots left in our existing home groups. If those get full, we have a waiting list out there. If you fill that out, we'll start um, praying for new leaders and other people to lead them, and we'll get more home groups started. But I hope that you're connecting in some way in the church so that you have that um, relationship with others. And we believe so much in this because community is a reflection of our creator. And creation reveals the character and the nature of our creator. The refrain throughout Genesis 1 is, and God saw what he made and said it was good. And God saw what he made and he said it was good. It's on repeat. God declares um, that what he created is good. So we are to enjoy that creation because God created it to be good. And part of that is fellowship with others. Part of that is having that relationship is to be good and how we look more like our creator. Um, We'll talk more in depth about um, everything next week, but but Genesis 3 then happened, and sin entered the world, and all that was good started to unravel. You see, sin has caused destruction on what God created good ever since the fall, and instead of enjoying creation, what happens is we tend to then begin to destroy creation. Instead of enjoying creation, sometimes we, um, we focus too much on the creation instead of the creator, and we begin to worship creation instead of the creator and we we put it as more of an important place because we see it unraveling and falling apart and we want to do something to fix it but it's because of the fall of mankind that the earth has been dying ever since the garden and the earth is groaning and one day the earth will be wiped out and it's going to be made new by God that's what the Bible tells us so I say let's do our best to take care of what God's entrusted us to but let's realize that it's also fading away and let's not worship the earth let's let's worship the creator And then let's do our best to to take care of what he's entrusted to us. And God also made mankind in his image and likeness, which means every human being is worthy of dignity and honor. So you see the fall happen and things have been unraveling. And God created us in his image. Therefore, every single person on the face of this earth is created in God's image. But sin causes us to not see it that way. So we end up with things like racism and sexism and we end up with murder because life is not valued. And the Bible says that male and female, he created them. But we live in a culture that worships our own identity, our self-identity and what we think we want to be instead of how God designed us, male and female. So we end up with man-made categories that go against how God designed us. We end up with these things that we want to try to define about ourselves and then we don't portray his image, we try to develop our own image. And we'll talk more about that next week when we talk about the fall. The point is this, what God created in Genesis 1 and 2, it was good. And that's where I want to stay right now and focus on right now because what God creates, he creates out of his glory. So everything was good, it was beautiful. Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Romans 1.20 is, a verse I really like. It says this, it says, for his invisible attributes, talking about God, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. You see, God has revealed himself to us through all that he has created. 
All of creation reflects the glory of God. And that explains why you can feel overwhelmed with peace when you look out at the sunrise over the ocean. You ever been at the ocean just watching the sunrise and you just have this overwhelming sense of, wow, you don't even know how to describe it. Or you can have an emotional reaction standing on the top of a mountain and looking out over God's creation. Or you can feel close to God when you're walking through a trail in the woods or when you're fishing on a, on a calm lake. Because all of creation is pointing to God's glory and his beauty. God's creation reflects his glory. And as his creation, you and I are to do that very same thing. So we have to ask ourselves that question. Is the way I'm living my life, is what I'm doing, is it reflecting the glory of God? I'm created in his image. Do I look like it by the way I live? Well, the best way that you can begin to look like and reflect the glory of God is to begin to read the Bible, to begin to get familiar with God's word, to begin to learn the main story throughout it, and then let it begin to transform you as you apply it to your life. And then as you study deeper and God's word gets inside of you, moving from your head knowledge into your heart, you see, sometimes we can have it up here and we can know what God's word says, but if it hasn't traveled the 12 inches to our heart to transform us, then it's useless if it's just head knowledge. It's gotta, ch it's gotta change our heart. And that's what the Holy Spirit begins to do when we place our faith in Jesus and we get familiar with his word. He begins to change us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit will do that in you. And that's why we're reading through the Bible this year. That's why this can be so life-changing for you. It can be radical, the change you can have in your life as you allow God's word to get into you so that you become an image bearer of your creator. So now I want us to look at the third thing that creation account teaches us. Before the creation, there was also darkness. Maybe you haven't really thought of it that way. If you look at Genesis 1-2 again, it says this, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. It says darkness was over the face of the deep. Everything was out form, without form, and it was void, and it was dark. Listen, God created that first. That's what he created first was this darkness, this void. And, and, and then in verse 3, after creating the darkness, after creating the void, and his Holy Spirit's hovering over that, here's what God the Creator does. It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And this is so significant for us because two things are being shown here. One, the Word brings order out of chaos. Do you see that? There was darkness, there was chaos, things were without form, and then God's word brings light, and through the word, God brings order to the chaos. Now, why did God do it in this way? I believe he did it to show that in the same way, our lives are formless and they're void until God's word comes into it to bring life and light and peace and beauty and order. And when his word departs from our lives, what we see is we begin to descend back into chaos. So we see another example of this in the book of Exodus, which we'll get to later, but I want to touch on it today. When you read about the plagues, most of you are probably familiar with that, that God sends to, to make Pharaoh set his people free, um, you probably think that the plagues seem random, that God's just sending all these things to try to get his attention. But I believe that they have a, a reason to them, and they are showing us this same principle we just talked about, that without God, 
creation begins to unravel. When we don't have God's word in our life, things begin to unravel. So you see in the plagues, God first turns the Nile into blood, and that destroys the natural ecosystem of the Nile River. So then out of the Nile turning to blood come the frogs. So a plague of frog comes because they had to get out of the river. So the plague of frogs comes into where everybody lives, into the city. Then from the plague of frogs comes a plague of gnats. Imagine if there's frogs everywhere. Now all of a sudden you've got gnats everywhere too. And then after the plague of gnats comes what? A plague of disease. So you see how this progression of things is unraveling. And that's what God is showing us. He's saying, without my word in your life, things just begin to unravel and the world just falls apart. Now, if God's only objective here was to show his power to Pharaoh, then couldn't he have just very simply just made all of Pharaoh's army just drop dead and then his people walk away? Instead, he was showing them that without his word, things unravel. And that's what sin and rebellion does in our life. When we have sin in our life, things begin to unravel. And Genesis 1 is showing us that. It's showing us that God brings order out of chaos. In the plagues of Exodus, sin caused disorder, and it caused everything to go back into chaos. The word of God it creates, sin destroys. And the same is true in your life. Same is true in my life. Sin unravels our family. When we get caught up in sin, we start to see our family spiral and unravel and fall out of control. Sin puts us into a dark place with our self-image. Sin puts us in bondage to addiction. And it leads us to this next point of that the word will one day redeem what sin has destroyed. That's what God's showing us here. Remember how we looked at John opening up his story of Jesus' life by connecting him back to creation? He said, Jesus, the word, is going to re-enter a dark world, a sin-filled, chaotic world, and he's going to bring light and life to it again. And if you look at the life of Jesus throughout his ministry, we see Jesus undoing the chaos that the darkness um, brought and that was left by sin. Throughout his ministry, we see Jesus undoing the chaos. And, and he heals diseases. Jesus shows up on the scene and he opens up blind eyes. Jesus comes and he makes the lame walk. Jesus goes and he walks on water. He's overcoming the chaos in creation. Wherever sin had left a dark void, Jesus said, let there be light. He comes into relationships and he forgives adulterers. He forgives thieves. Jesus removed their shame. He transformed them. Jesus comes on the scene and Zacchaeus, who was a thief, becomes excessively generous all of a sudden. Jesus shows up on the scene and impure women who had been prostitutes all of a sudden become pillars of character and virtue. Jesus even raises the dead because he brings light and he brings life when we allow his word into our lives. But then at the end of Jesus' life, we see the strangest thing happen. Jesus is put into darkness. Jesus is put into chaos when he is hung on the cross. And when he died, the Bible says the earth shook and a midnight-like darkness fell over the earth. So you see that the light for a moment was extinguished and the spirit quit hovering above Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's as if God quit seeing him and declaring that he was good. God was clearly still in control of everything. God was still on his throne. He was still there with Jesus, but because God is everywhere and all-powerful, but it's as if God turned his face away for a moment because of the sin that Jesus had taken on to himself for our sake. See, to be forsaken literally means to be abandoned, to be deserted. And Jesus is crying out. He's crying out to God. And he's saying, why have you abandoned me? Why have you deserted me? Why is this darkness overcoming me? And the darkness was overwhelming him for a moment. 
And Jesus allowed his light to be extinguished so that you and I could receive his light through the resurrection. It had to happen. The Apostle John points out that Jesus died on the sixth day of the week. And guess what? That's the same day that man was created. It also says that he was, on, he was raised on the first day of the week. And it's as if he's saying, I'm beginning a new creation. I'm starting something new. And after Jesus resurrects from the dead, the very first thing he does when he meets his disciples, the Bible says he does the strangest thing. He, he shows up, he meets them, and the Bible says he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Because you see, when we believe in Jesus by faith in his resurrection, we receive his Holy Spirit. We receive this new breath of life, and we gain life, and we gain light. Because Jesus breathes new life into us. The Bible tells us we become this new creation. Something new, something different than what we used to be. So, the question for you today is, is your life unraveling because of sin? Is your life spiraling out of control because of addiction? Is your family life unraveling due to sin? Is your self-image distorted? Do you not understand who you are? Do you not know who you are in Christ? Do you, do you have this self-defeating um, image of yourself? Are you living in darkness? If so, turn to God through faith in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ makes all things new. And that happens by the process of putting the word back inside of you. And it's a gradual process. It doesn't happen all at once. Sometimes we have major change as soon as we receive Christ. But as the word comes into you, life and light enter you again and begin to change you. It doesn't remove the problems of this world. But guess what? The real problem, the real problem that you see in front of you, maybe you're thinking, okay, the real problem right now is my marriage. It's not your marriage. Maybe you're thinking, well, the real problem in my life is my finances. My finances are just a wreck, and I'm in debt, and, and, I'm, and I'm just bankrupt, and the real problem is not your finances. Maybe you think, well, the real problem is these people in my life, and these annoying people, and these people that are mean to me, and these people that don't like me, and that's not your problem. Maybe you're thinking, well, the real problem is I have this addiction, and I can't overcome this addiction, and that's the problem that I face in life. Well, no, that's not the problem either. The real problem is darkness in your heart. The real problem is sin. And the Bible tells us that the word, Jesus, brings light and he brings life. So these first three verses in Genesis show you what God is up to in the world. God's telling you that you were made for him. God is telling you that you are created for relationships. God is telling you that his word, Jesus, is what brings life and what brings light, what brings order out of the darkness and the chaos of this world. I want to conclude just by showing you what that means for you and your role in this life. As Christians, we're called to be bearers of the word. We're called to be taking it to the world. In a world of darkness and chaos, we're to speak the, the gospel of peace, of life, and light. And wherever there's brokenness in this world, there should be forward church members <coughs> speaking light and speaking life. So it's our heart and our desire to take light and life to the schools that we go to. It's our hard desire to take light and life to our jobs that we go to throughout the week. It's our heart to take light and life to our recreation that we go to. It's our heart to take light and life to Belize this coming June as we take our very first global mission trip. That's why we're going, to take the light and life of Jesus. We take light and life to our community through serving those in need. And that's why we're, we've got this outreach group, or outreach team launching so that we can be more effective at that. So let's have a question for you as we close. Do you, do you know God? Do you know your creator, that you're created in his image? Do you know him? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Has he brought that light and life into your 
life so that you can become a new creation. You see, the reason you're created is so that you can bear his image through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you and through faith show others about that love that God has for you. And then secondly, are you in a small group of community of believers? If not, get in a home group. There's sign-ups out there. Like I said, we'll have a waiting list to, to sign up if the groups are full, and we'll, we'll start more groups because it's important that you be in relationship and community with others to, to join a Bible study, to, to get here on Wednesday nights for a youth group, to be a part of a home group, to serve on a team, get, get serving and volunteering together. That's another way to build and to grow. And then the next question is, is word present in your life? Are you allowing his word to get into you so that it can impact you and change you and transform you? Are you reading the Bible regularly? I hope you are. If you haven't started yet, I hope you'll commit to reading through the Bible this year. Is the light and life of God delivered through his word transforming you? And are you then extending that light and life to others? You see, there's something in there for, for every one of us. Whether we've been a Christian for years or whether you're not a Christian yet, there's something there today for you to receive. Maybe you need to become a Christian today and say, I want Jesus in my life. I want that new life. I want to be forgiven of my sin. Maybe it's, I'm going to be in a home group. I'm going to be connected. Maybe it's, I'm going to start living my life reflecting the image of Christ. You know, I'm going to close today a little differently. I'm going to read from the Jesus Storybook Bible. I've shared this with you guys that it's written beautifully and just how good it is. But I think as I read it today, you're going to begin to understand and hear a little bit more after what I've just preached. This is going to come to life and you're going to see a little bit more about what God is doing. And, and the very first part, we read this to our kids. Um, we got this back in 2003, I think it was. We, we wrote it in the beginning, in the front. 2003. And we read this to our kids over and over again. And this just really is so important for us to learn God's word. And it says this, in the beginning, there was nothing. Nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see. Only emptiness and darkness and nothing but nothing. But God was there and God had a wonderful plan. I'll take this emptiness, God said, and I'll fill it up. Out of the darkness, I'm going to make light. Out of the nothing, I'm going to make everything. Like a mommy bird flutters her wings over her eggs to help her babies hatch, God hovered over the deep, silent darkness. He was making life happen. God spoke, that's all, and whatever he said, it happened. God said, hello, light, and light shone into the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. You're good, God said, and they were. Then God said, hello, sea, hello, sky, and a great space opened up wide and deep and high. You're good, God said, and they were. Then God said, hello, land, and there, splashing up through the oceans, came cliffs, mountains, sandy beaches. You're good, God said, and they were. Hello, trees, God said. Hello, grass and flowers, and everything, everywhere, burst into life. He made buds, buds, shoot, shoot, flowers, flower. You're good, God said, and they were. Hello, stars, God said. Hello, sun, hello, moon, and whizzing into the darkness came fiery globes spinning around and around, whirling orange and purple and golden planets. You're good, God said, and they were. Hello, birds, God said, and with a fluttering and flapping and chirping and singing, birds filled the skies. Hello, fish, God said, and with a darting and dashing and wriggling and splashing, fish filled the seas. You're good, God said, and they were. Then God said, hello, animals. And everyone came out to play. The earth was filled with noisy noises, growling and gobbling and snapping and snorting and happy skerfuffling. You're good, God said. And they were. God saw all that he had made and he loved them and they were lovely because he loved them. 
But God saved the best for last. From the beginning, God had a shining dream in his heart. He would make people to share his forever happiness. They would be his children, and the world would be their perfect home. So God breathed life into Adam and Eve. When they opened their eyes, the first thing they ever saw was God's face. And while God saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever made. God loved them with all of his heart, and they were lovely because he loved them. And Adam and Eve joined in the song of the stars and the streams and the wind and the trees, the wonderful song of love to the one who made them. Their hearts were filled with happiness, and nothing ever made them sad or lonely or sick or afraid. God looked at everything he made perfect, he said, and it was. But all the stars and the mountains and oceans and galaxies and everything were nothing compared to how much God loved his children. He would move heaven and earth to be near them. Always, whatever happened, whatever it cost him, he would always love them. And so it was that the wonderful love story began. See, God started a love story. He created you because he loves you. And that should overwhelm us with joy. No matter how far we've gotten from him, no matter how much our sin has broken us, and no matter how much darkness we have faced, God says, I love you so much that I'll send my son Jesus to take the penalty for you so that you can be restored and made new and brought back to that place of perfection. And that's what we live towards, is that by faith in Jesus, all will be restored, our lives will be made new, and we will live in perfection for eternity. I hope you've received that. If you haven't yet, we're gonna open the altar. You can come and pray and receive Christ. Others of you maybe just need to come and say, God, I wanna reflect your image. You made me to look like you, to look beautiful, and I want my life to reflect that. And I'm gonna allow your word to do that. You've been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue in our 2020 series, The God Who Creates. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.